This is Bigger Pockets Daily, where you learn how to invest in real estate 365 days a year. I'm your host, Tyler. The following article comes from the blog at biggerpockets.com, but you can't read the blog when you're commuting to work or getting your Airbnb ready for your next guest. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The four stages of the real estate cycle and what to buy when for stellar returns by Gino Barbaro. I've never known anyone who can regularly predict when the real estate market will peak. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to gauge where we are in the real estate cycle. Real estate regularly goes through multi-year cycles of boom and bust periods. These cycles can be broken into four periods, recovery, expansion, hypersupply, and recession. The following is a mental model I use to understand how my property ties into the greater real estate market and when I need to become greedier or more conservative in my real estate activities. What is the real estate market? Before we dive into the specifics on analyzing and predicting the market, we should get on the same page as to what we are talking about when we use the phrase, the real estate market. The real estate market is a phrase used to describe the overall economic state of real estate, based largely on supply and demand. However, the very phrase, real estate market, is a bit more complicated than you might think upon first hearing it. While we are referring to the general economic condition of real estate, the devil is in the details. Are we talking about the real estate market in a specific location? Because, as I'm sure you know, real estate prices and demand can differ wildly in different areas. Just ask someone shopping for a home in Southern California versus Iowa. Are we talking about the real estate market within a specific niche, like single-family homes, apartments, office buildings, or hotels? 
After all, it might be a great time to buy a single-family home, but it might be impossible to find a great deal on an apartment complex or build a new commercial office building. Are we talking about the real estate market for a certain type of real estate user? After all, the market could appear very differently to someone who is looking to rent a property versus someone looking to buy a property. A buyer might think it's a great market, while a seller might think it's terrible. Therefore, when economists look at the real estate market, they could be referring to all these factors at once, but it's likely they are focusing on one aspect or a summary of the whole. Therefore, next time you hear the phrase, the strength of the real estate market, or something similar, ask yourself, what are they really talking about? It would be silly to say the real estate market is strong without any additional qualifiers. Consider, where is it strong? For whom is it strong? For what kind of real estate is it strong? That said, the real estate market, as mentioned in the definition, is based on the supply and demand of real estate. So no matter what niche, location, or user, there are patterns that we can analyze and hopefully predict within that niche. These patterns form what you've likely heard before, the real estate market cycle. Phase 1. Recovery The characteristics in the recovery phase include declining vacancy and no new construction. More tenants are looking to sign leases. There may also be a glut of foreclosures on the market. This is when the savvy investor looks to buy new assets. Unfortunately, securing financing during this phase can be difficult and overall sentiment is still negative. This marks the contrarian phase, in my estimation, where value investors jump in by buying at low prices. Many investors were burned by the 2008 recession and are unwilling or unable to buy in this phase. The majority of the real estate markets have emerged from this phase and find themselves in the expansion phase. Great strategies, flipping, wholesaling, buy and hold, multifamily, private lending, hard money lending. Phase 2 expansion. Many markets find themselves entrenched in the expansion phase, a time of declining vacancy and new construction. It takes a few years for new inventory to come online, and during this long-term period, rents and occupancy both expand. In 2015, rent growth was a robust 5.6%, and occupancy stood at 96.1%, both highs. During a peak, everyone wants to buy real estate, the fear of missing out leads to panic buying. Home equity loans become all the rage and banks begin loosening their lending requirements. Real estate prices reach record highs and appreciation begins to decelerate. Properties start taking a little bit longer than usual to sell. Housing becomes unaffordable in normal markets, like um, not Silicon Valley or New York. <laughs> Housing prices start to rise, home builders return to the market, and we see a surge in the construction of new homes. Unemployment decreases, real estate becomes popular again, inflation increases and the Federal Reserve begins raising interest rates. Think when the car affordability index was 36% in 2013 and 30.75% in 2014. Real estate cycles can last decades or more. Sometimes they send us false signals that the market is going to continue expanding or doom is right around the corner. Unfortunately, it only becomes perfectly clear years later. So if we can't predict where we are in the cycle, why should we care about it? We should care. 
so we can anchor ourselves to some semblance of sanity when the market becomes overly optimistic or pessimistic. If we think in probabilities of the likelihood of where we are in the cycle, it can inform us of how aggressive or defensive we should be when we price our deals. Furthermore, the wisdom of the crowd can influence even the most sophisticated investors. The only way we can lessen its hold is to recognize what's transpiring in the market. Great strategies, buy and hold, multifamily. Phase 3. Hypersupply Trouble is a brewing on the horizon in this phase. Vacancy begins to increase and new construction is still ramping up. This is a period when builders need to recognize that oversupply is occurring and should put the brakes on new construction. But often, they don't. The panic selling begins. You begin to see rapid price reductions for homes. Unemployment increases. Houses are taking even longer to sell and housing affordability begins to increase. New home construction freezes. The Federal Reserve starts lowering interest rates. Great strategies. Buy and hold. Multifamily. Phase 4. Recession. Housing prices begin to stabilize during the recession phase. We're heading toward equilibrium. But there are some rough patches ahead. Few people are willing to invest in real estate. Investors with experience, capital, and track records are able to raise funds for investing. Think when the car affordability index was 52.75% in 2011 and 51% in 2012. For example, the occupancy rate was decreasing and new completions were being delivered to the market in 2008. The new construction came to a halt, but it was too late. There was a double whammy. Fewer renters plus the addition of new inventory. Rental rates, as well as occupancy, continued to plummet, and this accelerated the downturn in real estate values. Great strategies, private lending, hard money lending. Look beyond market cycles when deciding to invest. Decide what market to invest in and begin to research that market. Focus on job growth, which should average at least 2% growth for two consecutive years. To access data for jobs in a market, Google the name of the city and job growth, or utilize the Bureau of Labor Statistics to gather employment data for a specific city. Look for companies announcing a move to a market and become familiar with employers in your market. Target markets that are experiencing household and population growth. Household growth is a more powerful barometer because households are the ones that become clients. Study the demographics of the market and look for a higher percentage of millennials and baby boomers. The middle-aged demographic tends to have families and is more apt to become homeowners. The specific property you are looking at should drive your investment decision, not macroeconomic forces. You shouldn't pull money out of your house to buy any piece of property because interest rates are low. And if interest rates are high, you aren't going to pass on an investment that makes financial sense. Macroeconomic indicators are great for cocktail parties and useless debates. But if you want to be successful in real estate, you need to know what your financial goals are. What makes a potential deal good for your financial goals? What's going on in the neighborhood you invest in? And how can you make an offer that takes into consideration the potential risk of being too pessimistic or optimistic regarding the real estate market? That's today's show. 
We'll see you tomorrow. But in the meantime, check out the Bigger Pockets bookstore at biggerpockets.com/store. You can learn about flipping, rental properties, negotiating, note investing, burr, and more. Most titles are available as audiobooks too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in 24 hours.